and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist and personal trainer, and I live on a small hobby farm. I have a huge passion for bodybuilding, but I don't fall into the typical bodybuilding mold. The naysayers, they can have their bro science. Yep, I said it. I'm a natural health and nutrition nerd. Some would call me a granola, but that couldn't be further from the wrong word. I stay away from the typical processed, standard American diet, and I don't eat granola. I created this podcast to share my health journey and the many things I've learned in my quest to find what it takes to live a mindful, happy, balanced life for all humans, not just athletes. I hope to help you discover your inner nerd and help you make some hefty deposits into your knowledge bank account that can help you crack your health code. You know, whether someone's new or whether someone's done 10 shows, you know, after the dieting period, it's always, to me, it's the hardest period of anything. Whether someone's just dieting for the summer, they're dieting for a show, you know, that post-diet rebound is tough. And, and a lot of it, you know, it's hormonal. We'll talk about that. But me personally, I struggle post-diet regardless because there's so much restriction of either food or restriction of calories and you've been hungry and you just want to feel full and normal. and so many people they just see that that rebound you know whenever i speak on this topic you know in a seminar or conference somewhere i'll talk about it you know this is science for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction so with dieting and restriction if you mentally restrict yourself from enough calories or from certain food groups or whatever for a long enough period of time you're going to have that opposite reaction to where you just want to eat them all the time and you just want to feel full and that's where you see people binge eat and sometimes i feel like that you know, equal and opposite reactions. Sometimes I feel like the reaction's bigger, actually. So, you know, it's not always equal. So I see a lot of people end up fatter in the off season than, than when they started. Welcome back to another episode. Today, in light of the upcoming fall bodybuilding shows, I thought it would be smart to get an expert on reverse dieting, metabolic adaptations, and hormones post-show. So today I have on the show... John Gorman. He is the owner of Team Gorman, a company that works with a wide variety of people, ranging from professional bodybuilders, athletes, to powerlifters and regular gen pop people. So he has a ton of knowledge. He also is the host of the Elite Physique University podcast, the owner of Fat Muscle Project, which is a supplement line. He owns two Anytime Fitness locations, and he is also the owner of the Physique Summit Conference. He is a best-selling author as well, guys. He's got a ton of information to share with us today. I highly value his opinions, and so we're going to get after it and talk about reverse dieting. Before we get into it, please hit the pause button, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way to the bottom of all of my episodes, and leave me a review. Your reviews are so valuable in me, bringing great guests to this podcast. It also makes it so other people can find this podcast, so very valuable. I don't have a lot of advertisements on this podcast. I am doing this just for the information of others. I wish that I would have had a podcast I could listen to to learn all sorts of wonderful things back when I was very first getting started. So thank you guys ahead of time for leaving those reviews. And here is John Gorman. All right, John, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this can be a good topic. I'm super excited. We have the fall contest prep season is coming in hot and we have so many people where it's their first time or maybe it's their their second or third time, but they have no idea what it's like to actually go through a proper reverse diet. A lot of competitors will just binge post-show. They'll have lots of weight gain. And then they'll decide to do another show so that they can cut that weight off. And it's kind of this vicious cycle. And then for our newbies, we have so many newbies where they get a great coach. And then uh, that coach just leaves them off in the dust after they get done with their contest prep. And it is a uphill battle from there. 
Yeah. It's, you know, there, there a lot to unpack there and I know we'll get into the show and really start to delve into things, but you know, whether someone's new or whether someone's done 10 shows, you know, after the dieting period, it's always to me, it's the hardest period of anything, whether someone's just dieting for the summer, or they're dieting for a show, you know, that post diet rebound is tough. And, and a lot of it, you know, it's hormonal. We'll talk about that. But me personally, I struggle post diet regardless, because there's so much restriction of either food or restriction of calories, and you've been hungry, and you just want to feel full and normal. And so many people, they just see that that rebound, you know, whenever I speak on this topic, you know, in a seminar or conference somewhere, I'll talk about it. You know, this is science for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So with dieting and restriction, if you mentally restrict yourself from enough calories or from certain food groups or whatever, for a long enough period of time, you're going to have that opposite reaction to where you just want to eat them all the time. And you just want to feel full. And that's where you see people binge eat. And sometimes I feel like that, you know, equal and opposite reaction. Sometimes I feel like the reaction's bigger actually. So, you know, it's not always equal. So I see a lot of people end up fatter in the off season than, w- than when they started. So anyway, I, I know we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, but that, I think that's kind of a good lead in on what I see as a coach and what I feel personally happens. Right. And the hard part too, John, with that, and I'm sure you can um, totally understand where I'm coming from here. It's easy as a competitor when it's black and white, this is your food, this is your cardio, this is your workout plan, this is the end goal. When it's black and white, it's easy to stick to it and follow it. But after the show, after the dust settles, it's easy for people to be like, well, I can have that cookie and then I can have another cookie. And then it just leads into one thing after the other. And then also, from so many other different standpoints, hormonal, you just mentioned that there's other places where it's very hard to control those sensations of hunger. So uh, we'll get into all of that today and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those things. A lot of people when we're in prep or we're in diet mode, we're, we're highly motivated. We're meal prepping. We're crushing our gym workouts. Like we're, we're very organized and detailed and you know everything's going great and a lot of people afterwards they have that that rebound but they have the opposite happens they expect to still be completely motivated they expect to meal prep perfect all the time take your food with you everywhere you go and they they're expecting all these things but you don't have a goal and actually that's where that's the first part of the failure side of this is people expect everything to be like it was during the diet and in prep when you're highly motivated and afterwards there's that feeling of uh, almost like loss, you know, for some people, you know, they get done with everything and their motivation's not there. And, um, you know, your, your hormones, they're, they're in the dirt. That's the other thing people don't realize is at the very end of the diet, you know, especially for natural athletes, assisted, it's a little different, but for natural athletes, you know, your testosterone's lower, your cortisol's higher, you know, everything's kind of slowed down, but you just don't feel good afterwards. And that just doesn't automatically snap back. That takes time to come back. So you're looking at people that are low testosterone and then their hormones are kind of in the dirt. And that, you know, takes, you know, three, four, five months sometimes, especially for females. And it's just a hard period of time. So, you know, you kind of pair all that together and your body's really not in a good place, hormonally, mentally, um, or physically. So you're just, you're really setting it up for fat gain. The body wants to gain fat after a diet. It doesn't want to look shredded. It wants to gain fat because you really just put it through hell and back. So, you know, that, that's kind of a, kind of a snapshot of where your body's at when you're done. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And we've got a great topic headed our way, but before we dive into it too far, if you could tell my listeners a little bit about how who you are, what you do, so that they have an understanding of where you're coming from when you're talking about all this. Yeah, so I I really kind of fell in love with the art of transforming our bodies with Body for Life way back in the day. So I'm going to date myself. I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm 43, um, but I feel like I'm 70 sometimes. So you know, I, I did a lot of the body for life stuff. And then in 2007, I went to my first bodybuilding show and I started my first quote unquote bodybuilding diet, the old bro diets kind of from, you know, flex magazine and, but I was hooked. So I was really hooked, not so much on, you know, with getting on stage, but with the idea that you can change your body and the nutritional and supplemental side of things really fascinated me. You know, training's fun. There's a lot of people that love training. Training to me is kind of 
I mean, it's okay. It's just kind of boring, but the science of hormones and food and supplementation that really kind of nabbed me. So that started in 2007 and this is what I do full time for a living now. You know, I've got a full client base clients hit the stage every single year. I still work with gen pop. Um, and my company's called team Gorman and, and, um, very blessed to have a, a good client base. As far as everything else that I do, I own an anytime fitness gym. Um, I own the fat muscle project supplement line. Fat is spelled P H A T not F A T. So it's kind of a spin off the word fat because we all want to be P H A T hot, right? Pretty hot and tempting fat. Um, but I have my own supplement line and I host elite physique university, um, podcast where Jason Theobald and I really break down a ton of, of, the science behind hormones and training and supplementation, the whole nine yards. And then finally, and then I'll, I'll get off me. I've, I've written three books. And then I also own the physique summit conference with Cliff Wilson. And we, every single year, except for this year due to COVID, we have some of the best um, coaches and researchers and athletes in the world speak for two days. We have CEUs that's physique summit.com. If you guys ever want to check that out. So I've got my hands full. Definitely. I'm a dad too. So that, that keeps me busy, but, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. I love that. I love that. And if people are a competitor and they have not visited the Elite Physique University podcast, they need to do it. It is a must do. It is one of my favorite podcasts in the bodybuilding space. So I guess it's time to get rolling with our topic today, which is going to be post-show hormones, reverse dieting, all of that fun stuff. So we kind of started already by talking about what happens post-show, whether it be um, not having the support of a coach um, or understanding your hormones and the metabolic ramifications of prepping for a bodybuilding show. And so I guess let's start off with what happens to the body when you get super stage lean and what happens post-show when your hormones are all kind of in the dirt. Yeah. So let's, let's give people an idea. This is what happens hormonally for the most part. This, this would be a whole show, but I'll try and sum it up as quick as I can. So as you get leaner, um, we all get hungrier and a lot of people think it's because our calories are lower and that's true to some standpoint, but when you eat, you have this hormone in your body called leptin. And whenever you eat, leptin sends a signal to your brain that says, Hey, you're full, go ahead and stop eating. So leptin is primarily made in our fat cells. So when we get really lean and our fat cells are really small and we just don't have a lot of fat on our body, we make less leptin. So when you eat, you get less of that signal to your brain that says, hey, you're full. So a lot of people that have been stage lean or that really lean, you'll notice you eat and then an hour later, you just want to chew your arm off because you're so hungry. Well, that's because you're not getting the signal to your brain that says you're full. So that's one thing that slows down. Leptin also um, helps boost your metabolism. So you're actually getting less of that. So your metabolic rate is going to slow when you diet anyway. Most people are going to lose some muscle when they diet, especially to get stage lean, and especially if you're a natural athlete. So as, as you lose a little bit of muscle and weight, your thyroid hormone has to secrete less thyroid hormone. So you naturally um, slow your metabolic rate. If it, if it didn't slow down, your body temperature would rise. So no matter what, when you diet and get lighter, your metabolic rate has to slow some, no matter what we do. Um, and then other things are happening like your testosterone levels. Those are tied to body fat levels, from some standpoint. Um, so whenever you diet down, I see labs with natural athletes all the time at the very, very end of a diet. I mean, guys, testosterones are in the single, you know, they're under a hundred, um, females are very, very low. They're to the point to where if they go to the doctor, the doctor would tell them, Hey, you need to be on hormone replacement therapy, but it's, it's not a permanent thing. Um, so as time goes on after a show, those levels should come back unless people diet too often. That's, that's a whole other topic, but, um, you see hormonally, you're just not in a good place And your body. Like I said earlier, does not want to stay lean. It's, it's in, it's in a fight mode to where it wants to put fat on. So there's a calories in calories outside of this. And there's a hormone side of this. And after you're done dieting, it's not as simple as if you eat 35 extra hundred calories, you're going to gain exactly one pound of fat. That's just not the way the body works. Hormonally, everything is messed up. Your metabolism slow and your body wants to put on fat. So I've seen people easily, easily gain way more fat than what the calories would equate to. 
And you'll see a lot of researchers and people like that try and say, oh, everybody blames hormones. It's simple math. Well, it's not simple math or people wouldn't, they wouldn't end up with body fat overshooting and they wouldn't eat, you know, an extra three slices of pizza and a piece of cake. And they, that three pounds they gain sticks to them all week. Like it's not a math equation. If it was, I would walk around shredded with abs year round. Like this is not a math equation. It's, it ties in hormones, tie into calories in, calories out. So um, post show you're really set up to gain fat very, very rapidly. And, you know, I'm so happy that you brought the hormonal piece into this because I see it all the time. I see coaches bagging on whatever on social media, they'll be like, it's not your hormones. Stop trying to blame it on something. Or, you know, it's simply calories in calories out when that's just not the case. So I'm glad that, no, you know, and it, it, here's what I say to those coaches. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut in there. Here, here's what I normally say to those coaches. Um, though normally, you know, Jason, I call those macro coaches. Those are coaches that just give people their macros and their calories and here's your training, here's your cardio. And they don't pay attention to what's actually going on with the systems of the body. And those coaches can help, help a healthy individual, but we've all as coaches had those clients that come to us that stick to the diet perfectly. No matter what we do, we can't get them leaner. We can't get the weight off of them that we want. And you know, these macro coaches are people that just say calories in calories out and it's math. They can only help healthy people. They, they never can help the people um, they're messed up hormonally and in our sport or just in the United States in general, we diet so often and so much that, you know, I would say at least three quarters of the clients that I get have some kind of metabolic adaptation. They have some kind of issue with hormones when I look at their labs because they've just dieted too much. So coaches out there listening, if, if you think it's just calories in calories out, you're really limiting yourself and you're never going to become better as a coach because anyone can give people macros and training and just numbers, but can you actually help people? Can you actually learn how the body works? And I'll argue with anyone all day long because that's the way you get to the next level as a coach. You have to learn how the body works. Absolutely. I love that so, so much. And that's part of the reason that I love everything that you guys are doing. So Back to these adaptations that are happening, it's all over the board. It's your hunger signaling hormones, it's your thyroid, it's your all of your, your actual sex hormones. All of this stuff has gone into the tank. Now you're stage lean and you need to start getting your body back up to, I guess, the status quo, right? So back up to a normal level and something like this actually takes time and that's something that people don't understand. You do have a lot of coaches out there that are, uh, quote unquote, prescribing a reverse diet, but it lasts only like six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. But there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. So ideally people, here's the thing that people don't understand about reverse dieting. The book that I wrote, the very first book, it's called Metabolic Capacity and Reverse Dieting. And in that, I helped people understand that maybe you can add 10 to 15 to 25 carbs a week to your diet, for example. But it's all based on how much extra food that person is adding themselves. Because like I said earlier, dieting after a show is the hardest thing after any diet. It's the hardest thing that you ever do. So most people are falling off the plan. They're having extra bites here or there or extra meals. And they're eating, you know, a few hundred extra calories on average extra. So I can't add, you know, 25, 30 carbs to a female's plan every single week, but I might be able to add 10 carbs. And that for the most part helps them get their weight back up. So most people want to stay too lean and they try and the problem with that is your hormones stay in the dirt if you try and stay too lean. So a lot of people are trying to stay too lean. Ideally, you want to get your body fat back up, get your hormone profile um, in a healthier place. And that normally takes three to four to five months on average. Um, so I'm okay with a fast reverse diet, but a lot of it depends on the adherence of the client or the adherence of the athlete listening to this. Because if you're binge eating two, three days a week, because you just can't stop eating, then you need to just go ahead and ramp your calories up and just go ahead and reverse diet fast. Um, if someone's able to be pretty, pretty decent with their diet, then they can add a little bit more carbs. Like it, it, it just really depends. So, I mean, if, if there's any questions that you want to ask that we go into there, there's a couple different forks in the road, but it really depends on 
how strict someone's being. Absolutely. So I like how you touched on that, like the, how much they can adhere to their plan. Cause that's another big portion, which we kind of spoke about in the beginning is you have all these things taking over. You're hungry. The, the, goal has come and gone. We're now in kind of the gray zone where it's easy to have an extra donut or something like that. So that's understandable. Now for you, when you have somebody coming out of a show, I guess you don't have to give all your trade secrets away, but you guys are pretty good about that. Is you have a client coming out of a show, what is the best thing to do to keep them satiated so that they're not wanting to binge eat constantly? Is there a modality you use for that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's things that people, and I have them do this during prep too, to help with hunger. So things like decaf coffee is kind of nice, a diet soda, the carbonation helps fill you up. Um, Sugar-free jello is actually a, is a lifesaver. You know, most of the part is just, it's just gelatin and it's, you know, it's protein. There might be some sweeteners in it, but I mean, it's not very high calorie. So like making some box jello and eating a little bit of that, just to help keep yourself full, keeping the veggies high. Um, but the main thing is just help people to understand that you just have to embrace the hunger. You can't, you can't run from it. You can't hide from it. You can't control it. Hunger is part of dieting. And when people actually start to accept it for what it is, and they understand that they know, listen, you're not starving. You're about to eat in three more hours. Like your body is not starving. You're hungry, but you're okay. You're about to eat again. Um, it's when people mentally can grasp that, that they're okay. But a lot of people panic. They're like, oh, I'm hungry. I better eat right now. No, just give it some time, drink a diet soda or drink, you know, some decaf coffee or something. And that stuff kind of helps. So that's, that's what I do to help people with, with hunger. But you know, the other thing too, is if, if hunger is so high that it's causing them to fall off the plan, I'm going to ramp their calories up pretty quick. And as their body fat goes up, their hunger will go down. So that's the other thing you have to talk, you have to talk to, especially, we see it with ladies more. Um, they don't want to gain weight as much as guys, like most guys. And I know I'm stereotyping, right? But most of us are like, yeah, bro, I'm going to, I'm going to put 15 pounds back on and I'm going to fill my shirts back out. Right. And we're okay with it. Most ladies, it's, it's a little harder on them. Um, they're a little more sensitive to it. You guys have a lot more pressure on you anyway with Instagram and all this other crap, right? It's to always look clean. So it, it's a little bit harder, but as body fat goes up, that hunger will go down. And it's just one of those things as a coach, the biggest thing I can do is communicate and explain what's going on to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that a lot of women and a lot of competitors that get stuck in this rut, right? They don't realize that they're going to have to, when they start gaining it back, it's actually a really mentally hard thing to see happening in the mirror and to see that scale moving. And so this is where a lot of competitors get stuck in that rut where they're like, a little out of control with their food and then they're starting to gain weight and then they're miserable. And so then they decide that they're going to prep for another show in the fall or the spring or, and they haven't given their body sufficient time to recover. Yeah. So one of the things I really like to point out to my clients when they're real lean, they're starving, they feel like trash at the end of a diet. This is what I like to point out. And I do it with a lot of people. I'm like, I want you to remember how you feel right now. You feel terrible. You're tired all the time. You have low sex drive, like you're starving and your body looks the best it's ever going to look, but it's also in the worst place it's ever going to look. So if you think you're going to stay this lean, I want you to remember how you feel right now. And I always point that out to people. When I started to do that, then when the check-ins come four months later, you know, and I do have a lady or somebody else and like, Oh, I'm just so unhappy with, with how I look. And I've got them up 12 pounds from stage and that's it. And they're really sitting in a great spot for off season. I'd be like, you remember when you were hungry? Do you remember when you were bitchy all the time and you were just really upset and you just tired and cortisol was high? Like, do you want to go back to that? Um, and a lot of people, choose to try and go back and diet again. I'm glad you brought that up. And they don't realize they don't do it on purpose. They're not stupid. Like we, mm -hmm. we pointed out that it's a huge mistake and a lot of people are cynical and they're like, yeah, these, you know, these folks try and diet in spring and fall. They're just stupid. Well, they just don't know one. They're tired. They don't want to gain the weight back because they ate too much. So they think, well, I was motivated to diet for a show. I'll just diet again. And unfortunately, what happens there is they spend, you know, if we can imagine from January to December, like if you just had a graph in front of you, the whole year spread out from January to December, 
if you diet from January until April for a show, you're in a deficit for four months. So then if you gain weight for three months after your show, then you're only at a surplus for three months. Then you turn around and diet again for fall shows. You're in another deficit for three, four, five months. Now you've spent 75% of the year in a caloric deficit. So if you're a female, maybe that averages out to 1,200 calories to get on stage. Or if you're a guy, maybe 1,900 calories to get on stage. That's the scary part of metabolic adaptation. Now we've all spent most of the year on lower calories. So what happens? Our metabolic rate adapts down to those calories. So then what happens when we want to diet again next year? Especially if we don't spend enough time getting our calories up. Now we have to really go low calorie to the point where it really messes hormones up and then your metabolic rate adapts and we all get to the point where you're just not going to lose weight. And that's where the calories in calories out hormone debate kind of, kind of comes in. We see people that are just over dieted for years or, you know, sometimes longer, like more than just a couple of years, like four or five years. And they get to the point to where, you know, women can't lose weight on, you know, a thousand calories. And that's the hormone side of things. You know, cortisol is blocking a lot of fat loss and insulin sensitivity and all this other stuff. So that's how someone gets to the point where they can't gain or they can't lose. But the problem is there, fat gain is so much easier. So if your metabolic rate's adapted and slower, then when you do go eat off plan, it sticks to you and you're not going to be able to turn around and diet it off. So I actually see people that chronically diet too much. They actually end up fatter at the end of the day. You know, we see a lot of women with uh, Weight Watchers, for example, that, you know, I've, I've got some great friends and, and family over the years that, you know, ladies trying to eat 1,000, 1,100 calories on Weight Watchers, and they just end up heavier every year because they're spending six days a week on solo calories, and then they go have their free meal or whatever once a week, and it sticks to them. So it's the same thing. You know, we just have to look at it kind of a snapshot of a year. It's, it's, it's really scary how slowing your metabolic rate by dieting too much leads to you getting fatter because you're on lower calories all the time. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought that up because it is a pendulum swing, right? So the harder it goes one way, the faster it's coming back the other direction. And we have to be mindful of that when we're, when we're working with people and, and helping them with their goals. So I know I personally have somebody that wants to work with me right now. And I was like, listen, she does zero fat. Like I was like, listen, you can't do that. You need that for your hormones and stuff. It's super important. And she's like, if I eat any fat, I see it immediately. And I, and I'm thinking, well, you've been over dieted and over cardioed for so long. At one point, you're going to have to let yourself gain a few pounds in order to get your body to regulate itself. That's just how it goes. And it's an unfortunate thing, but in the long term grand scheme of things, it's going to be more helpful. Yeah, I, you know, low fat diets, um, unless someone's on hormone replacement therapy and, and they have um, their testosterone being run basically by injections or creams or pellet or what have you, you know, those folks can go a little bit lower fat because you don't need the fats for hormone production like you do because you're putting it in your body. Um, so older people that have it, you know, as medication, it's totally fine. I'm actually on HRT because I've, it kind of runs in our family. So, I can eat 30 grams of fat a day and have a little bit more carbs and protein and I'm totally fine. But for natural athletes or people that aren't on that, and especially for women, you know, I don't, I don't like to see my athletes go below 50 grams of fat um, a day, unless it's towards the very, very end of the diet. And I just have to create more of a calorie deficit somewhere and I'll do it for a few weeks, but you know, year round, I like to see minimum 50 grams of fat. And for most people, you know, I like to try to get them up to 50, 60, if, if they're a female and guys, I'll get them up to 70 or 80 uh, because you just need it for hormone production. And a lot of people are scared. That's not high fat at all. That's just a balanced amount of fat. So, um, you know, fat doesn't make you store fat. Um, it helps with hormone production. So don't, don't be scared of fat if that's, if that's you out there listening. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about another portion of the reverse diet, and that is also cardio. So sometimes people come into shows and they're doing two and a half or three hours of cardio, and it's crazy. Uh, hopefully, if you're out there listening, you're never at that place. I mean, but if you are, I like you said, the goal is gone, the show is over. Who in the heck is going to continue to do three hours of cardio? but then they just stop completely or go down to a half an hour almost instantly. They're already in a vulnerable state to start gaining weight. 
what happens with that? So I'm, I actually do things a lot differently than a lot of people. Um, my clients for the most part don't do like, I might have a couple here and there every couple of years that do an hour a day, but most of my folks are doing more of like 30 minutes a day towards the end. Um, I like to create more of a deficit from food because my thought with cardio is the more you do, the more your body physically has to recover from, which causes cortisol to go higher. So I would rather actually just create more of a deficit from the diet. Um, people feel better, you know, they don't feel as run down on lower cardio and it's just, I've just seen it work better over the years. Now, when the diet's over though, I cut it all out completely. And usually during peak week, I cut it all out hundred percent. And what happens is, is your cortisol so high from cardio for most people, cortisol is going to drop. People drop a ton of water. Uh, another thing about cortisol people don't understand is when you're, when you're dieting and cortisol is high, it actually, the higher cortisol is the lower your, um, thyroid hormone output is. So your hormone, your, your thyroid hormone slows down when cortisol is high. So whenever you cut all that cardio out, you're not just going to magically start gaining fat. Like a lot of people think, even if you're doing two, three hours a day, cut it all out, cortisol drops, your metabolic rate starts to speed up, you drop water and you actually feel better. So I'm one that I cut it out 100% completely. Um, there's a lot of other coaches that don't, and that's fine. They like to keep a little bit of it in in the off season. So, you know, people want to, in the reverse dieting portion, they want to keep some in to help keep them leaner. So, you know, that, that's kind of their thing. But if they can be stricter on the diet, they don't have to do any cardio. So for heart health, I, it's fine. Leave it in 10 minutes a day. If you want some for heart health, maybe a hit session, you know, five intervals once a week on a high carb day. But for the most part, I try and get it all out. So their body starts to recover because I want cortisol to drop. So that's, that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think if they're just going hard all the time that they're going to see results. And sometimes this is in a contest prep state or post show doesn't matter at any point. If your cortisol is high, you are not going to lose body fat. And you're also not necessarily going to make gains. Some people think, Oh, if I'm, if I take a rest day, I'm losing some gains. And it's like, no, your body needs that little break. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people need to realize that when you give your body a break, you can actually recover and grow. Um, the more you keep your body support and you, you do cardio too much, like I said, that's something your body has to recover from. So in the off season, why keep cardio high when your body can actually instead of using those calories to recover from cardio, it can use those calories to help muscle growth and help you recover from the gym. So training should be hard in the off season. We all know that. Um, cardio should be low to minimal and that way the food that you eat and the recovery goes towards building muscle not towards recovering from you know walking on a treadmill with a three incline for example or jogging and things of that nature i love that so what else is really super important for competitors to understand post-show what have you run across as a coach um, well, first of all, it's, it's okay to understand that you're going to mess up in your normal. Um, a lot of people feel defeated. Um, and, and a lot of this comes down to the mental approach. A lot of people just feel like they're a failure. They feel embarrassed. They wear baggy clothes in the gym, but you're going to get comments from people around you that don't understand the sport. Like we understand the sport, right? So you're going to get people say, Oh, you were so lean. What happened? And really people that they're gen pop or their family, like they don't get what you're doing. They think you're weird anyway. Cause you just stepped on stage or you had fake tan on. Like they all think we're weird anyway. So they're going to see you shredded and they don't understand like your body cannot stay in that state. So you're going to have to prepare yourself for grandma being like, you are so lean. I'm so glad that you've put on, I'm so glad you look healthy. I'm glad you put weight on. Now you can eat all my food. I want to make you, or you have the other people like your friends that don't get it. And they're like, you were so lean. What happened? And they don't, they don't get it. Like that can mentally devastate someone that can make them feel like, like crap. So you have to be mentally prepared for that. Um, just kind of like when you're dieting down, you have to mentally prepare for people to say as like, Oh, you're so skinny. And they, they mean lean, but they mean skinny, which is the worst word to a physique athlete in the whole world. So, uh, you just have to mentally be prepared, but at the end of the day, um, surround yourself with people that love to do the things that you do. And those are the main people that you communicate with and you, you take the feedback from, and you actually care what they think. Don't let the other stuff bother you and you're going to put fat back on. So that's, 
that's the goal. That's the healthy goal of a reverse diet is to put fat back on, get your hormones back in a good place and go crush the off season. That way you can make progress and you can improve. If you turn around and diet again, you're not going to, you're going to actually, I see people look worse that turn around and diet again too often because they didn't put the lost muscle back on. And now they're going to turn around and try and diet again. So they actually just lose more muscle. So they end up at a lighter weight and they don't necessarily look leaner. You know, we, we see it when bikini first came out, we saw it a lot, you know, ladies, ladies want to compete so often because you didn't have to get as lean as figure of bodybuilding, but you still had to diet. You still had to be in a deficit. You still had to get really lean. So that's, you know, we saw that start to happen more kind of with bikini and then men's physique came around and guys were like, you know what, I'm going to compete all the time. And then we started to see it there too. Absolutely. And let's be honest, men are able to run a little bit leaner. That's just how they are. But females are meant to carry a little bit of body fat. And not all of these people that we're seeing in magazines and things are what you're meant to be like normally. So you can be fit, you can be healthy and be carrying a little bit of body fat. Do you need to be obese? No, absolutely not. Do you need to gain 40 pounds after every show? probably not necessary. However, you are meant to carry a little bit of extra fat in certain places. It's a, it's a female thing and it's hormone related and everything else. And that's just how it is. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. Remember ladies, you have to populate the world. Like you've got a super important job. So we need your hormones in a good place. You need body fat for that. Like you're important. Us guys, we're not like, it's, it's okay if, if we're a little, if we're a little beat down, but like, you know, it's super important for ladies to get those hormones back up. Right. And, you know, going down that same line, I can't tell you how many times I've been and I'm off Facebook now, by the way, because I can't even handle the stuff that's on there on just my regular news right. feed, add all the body boot building groups and stuff to it. It's like, Oh no, that girl didn't just say that. No, 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 she didn't. <laughs> like I can't handle it. So I'm not <laughs> on there anymore. Uh, I felt it was much more mentally healthy to just focus on my own clients and not worry about people that I don't even freaking know somewhere. So anyways, um, but along that line, there are, are so many women I see this posted in bodybuilding forums where they haven't had their menstrual cycle for years. Me being one of them as a competitor, I didn't have my menstrual cycle for three years. There was definitely something wrong there. I knew it. However, I was listening to my coach and too stupid to actually listen to my own brain at that point. But these women think that it's okay. They're like, they're asking other women in bodybuilding forums, hey, how soon before I can expect to lose my menstrual cycle? And there are some ramifications that come along with that. Yeah. And it's something to where, you know, every time I've ever thought that a female was going to lose her, her cycle, like that, that's a normal thing. When you get leaner, you'll see a lot of females lose their cycle. And I used to tell them, you know, Hey, you'll probably lose it. You know, once you get, you know, about four or five, six weeks out, but every time I did that, it was something would change. And I'd have one lady would like have a cycle for a month straight or three weeks straight. Like it just, all your hormones are out of whack. And that's the first sign that things aren't good. Um, but yeah, if, if you stay without that for a long time, like the female athlete triad is a very, very real thing. And that's, that's where you see issues with, you know, that's when women stay too lean and they exercise too much, they lose their cycle. Um, the other thing that happens is you're at a higher rate for, um, issues with bone density and, um, osteoporosis and stuff like that. So it's, it's not good. Like to be able to, to not have your cycle because you're staying too lean is not a good thing. A healthy female is, is a female that has a healthy menstrual cycle. And that's just, that's just the way that it is. So I'm not a female, I'm a guy, even though I joke around and tell people I've prepped so many ladies that I naturally kind of have my own every single month and I can kind of predict when other people's is going to happen because I've lived through it so much. But you know, the thing is, is it's, it's a healthy thing. You have to, you have to have it if you want to be healthy. If not, you're not in a good place. So this is something that ladies should definitely be looking for in the off season then, right? As to be getting their menstrual cycle back if they do lose it. Cause like you said, it's common to lose it when you're real close to show. So, but post show, they should be looking to get that back as soon as they can. Yeah. The, the sooner, the better. And you know, some of the feedback I have gotten, um, you know, normally it's, it's kind of a brutal first one back. Like it's, it's, you know, heavy cramping and things of that nature. And, 
you know, I like to have clients take uh, Jason's, Jason Theobald's company, New Ethics, makes Chaseberry liposomal. And that really helps with bloat and cramps and stuff like that. So uh, it's something I also carry on my website as well. So a lot of females tend to tend to take that and see less bloat and cramps and stuff like that. But yeah, normally you want to see it come back and, you know, someone can get it back in the first, you know, couple of months. That's great. That's, that's really a great sign. Uh, but ladies and guys in general need to go have labs done anywhere from 12 to 16 weeks post-show to kind of see where your baseline's at. I'm a little, I like to lean more towards like four to five months post-show because if someone dieted a long time, they need time for those hormones to come back. So if you go in at three months, they might still be low and then your doctor is wanting to put you on different medications and things of that nature. But if you wait four to five months, you're, you're, you should be where your body's going to settle out at for the off season. And I'm glad that you brought that up, John, because that's another thing that I think a lot of people overlook, and that is getting their blood work done. They can do it without a doctor's permission. There are plenty of websites out there, I think you know of a few, where they can have hormone panels done, have everything checked out, and they can actually physically see it for themselves rather than having to rely on having a physician look at them Um, and so I know that for myself, I have had, I've told people before they start with me, they need to have their labs done, especially because I don't know what's going on, but I seem to attract these people that have all this weird stuff going on. (laughs) And I feel like it's because that's the reputation that I've gotten, but, um, I'm like, Hey, no, I can't help you unless you get lab work done. And I think that's super important and competitors tend to overlook it because they're afraid of the cost. But then they spend thousands on bikinis and coaches and all these things. So it, it's something that's super important. Yeah, and it's, it's one reason why I started my supplement company is because we, we fix a lot of problems with natural supplementation, functional medicine, so to speak. And, you know, Jason's company, New Ethics, is the same way. And it's, it's one of those things. I never got labs done in my 30s. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to mess with it. I didn't want to spend the money. I thought I was bulletproof. But you know, it's super, super important to know where you are. And there's, and I can't remember the site off the top of my head. I think it's life extension. It's like 200 bucks to get a full panel with everything that you need. And that's not bad. If you go to your doctor, most people that go to their doctors, you're going to have to tell them the symptoms that you're feeling. Or if you're not feeling those and you just want to get your labs done, you may have to fib a little bit, but tell them, you know, say, Hey, my sex drive's low. My motivation's low. I'm tired all the time. I want to check my testosterone. I want to check my thyroid levels. I want to check my cortisol. So um, it, it's, it's important that people should at least, I like to get mine done every six months at this point, but at a bare minimum, at least go once a year, at least, deep, you know, well into the off season when your body's good and should be healthy, go check everything's because that's when, if things come back off and you're in a good place in the off season, that's where, you know, you have a problem. Absolutely. And I think that's a great thing for everybody to do, because like I said, especially if you're a competitor, that's all of a sudden struggling with not being able to lose or or even gain you know there's so many things out there that affect how we build muscle and how we lose fat and it's really great to see that on paper what could be affecting that yeah it's one of those things um i see a lot of people in the off season when they've dieted too much especially natural athletes maybe they haven't dieted too much but they've done two or three shows over the course of five years I see a lot of people across the board, they come back and their testosterone levels, they may not be low enough for HRT, but they're low. They're at the bottom end of low. And like for an example, a guy, I see a lot of guys in the 350s and their free testosterone is kind of at the bottom too. And they've, they've been off season for a couple of years, but they've done two or three shows in the last five years. And they're just, you're not going to put muscle on. You can train hard, you can eat all the food you want, but if your testosterone is not in a good place, you're spinning your wheels and people don't understand that. And that's why, and I'm not trying to sell supplements here, but that's why I created this product called hormone optimizer. It's actually out of stock right now. Um, but I've had my clients labs have come back 150, 200 points higher, um, ladies, 10 points higher because it, you know, measurements are different, but it's literally a natural supplement that helps drive cortisol down. It helps boost testosterone and free tea. And it's not something that has to be cycled. It's, I've had my clients taking that piecemeal for the last, I don't know, eight, eight, nine years. And that's something to where if I see their testosterone's low, well, boom, I'm going to throw hormone optimizer to them. 
or, you know, if they have a cortisol issue, I'm going to throw Jason's Cordy's product down to lower cortisol, which helps free up more testosterone and thyroid hormone. So it's really about understanding you have to see your labs. You have to pull the curtain back because so many people are training so hard and they're low test and they don't even know it and they're just not making any progress. And then what happens, they go to diet again and they don't know their testosterone is low. Guess what happens to their muscle mass? It just melts off of them. So it's important to get your labs done, folks. Please, please go get them done. 100%. I totally agree with you on that. And the other thing people don't realize, and I'm not by all means not bagging on the medical profession at all, but I am going to say this. When you go into a regular doctor and have your hormones looked at, they're looking at a range. They're looking at a range of people between the ages of zero and whatever, 120. I don't know who's the oldest person out there, but they're looking at a range. And when they look at this, you've got to figure in, you've got these like zero year olds and you've got these hundred year olds and they might say, Hey, yeah, I know your testosterone's normal, but what is normal when you are being compared to an 80 year old or, a, you know, someone that's just born. So that's another thing you kind of have to keep in mind. What is normal may not be optimal. No, I agree. A hundred, hundred percent. Nothing else I can add there. And, and I think that's just where you need to be working with if you're a bodybuilding athlete this is by no means any kind of medical advice but when it comes to creating the physique that you want to win with on stage that working with a coach that understands hormones and the metabolism is extremely important yeah it is and that that just takes time um, there's younger coaches out there that they don't get it, and there's nothing nothing wrong with those folks. It just – this took me a lot of time. This took me a lot of failing and messing up and trying to diet people, and they didn't look the way they should have looked or they couldn't drop. Like, it took a lot of failure. Um, everything I've done, it's basically been learning from failure. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I don't go look over research and pour over it every night. Like, I actually hate that stuff. It's really boring to me. Um, I do look at it, but – there's a lot of young coaches out there. You just don't have the experience. So go into this stuff, start gathering as much information as you can. And it's okay, but you really have to learn from it because sooner or later it's going to come up and you've got to figure out how to solve the problem or you're creating the problem yourself with your clients and you just don't know it, which is what I was doing. Dieting them too often, not giving them enough time off, not looking at labs back in the day. It's, it, it all kind of comes full circle. Absolutely. And you know, there's a lot of coaches out there now where fitness has become such a big thing and especially stepping on stage, stepping on stage before social media happened was just that happened, you know, like it wasn't as common now. So-and-so sees so-and-so did it. So now they're going to go do it. And there's a so many coaches out there. There's 10 bazillion coaches out there and they all know, right? So then so-and-so sees that these pictures of so-and-so's coaching look great. So let's go with them. Well, they don't know. They don't know if this coach knows what they're doing. They don't know the metabolic ramifications. They don't know any of this. And so it's really hard to pick a good coach as a newbie. And I think that a lot of the really experienced coaches are, it's coming back tenfold to them because they're having to help people with all of these things that have been created by people that are just in it to make money rather than help people. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that people need to realize is, you know, you see the coach out there, the well-known coach um, that puts clients on stage that just look amazing. Here's the thing. I could put a client on stage that looks amazing and wins and behind the scenes. And I could just put those clients out and I would keep a full client tail base. Right. And a lot of coaches do that. I post every single client that hits the stage, no matter where they place or what, and what people don't realize is behind the scenes if you're only seeing the, the clients that place well or they look great, you may not see the clients that don't make it to stage. I might have, I don't know, five people this year that don't make it to stage because there's a whole host of factors, right? Metabolically, they weren't set up right. Um, you know, I couldn't get them lean enough. They were cheating on their diet. There's like all these different things, right? But if you don't see anyone post about that, you don't know. And a lot of coaches, they're just putting just their good clients out there they may have three quarters of their athletes that come to them and they don't, they don't get them to stage, but because they put some of these great looking clients out there, they keep a full client. And I can tell you, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people in the industry. I know a lot of people that three quarters of their clients, their macro coaches, 
they put the great ones on stage and they post their pictures, but they've got a bunch of people that never make it to stage. And because they can get so many clients based on those results they post, they do client. So point is you have to be super careful. Yeah. So people need to be careful with their coaching. Um, and they need to be very, uh, thorough when it comes to hiring a coach. I mean, get, get references, talk to previous competitors. I don't know, but, um, make sure that you're crossing all your T's and dotting your I's when it comes to hiring a coach and don't just hire somebody because they're cheap either, because you're going to get what you pay for more than likely. Now, there are some coaches out there that are just starting out that have reasonable fees. Okay. They may be a great coach. I mean, there's lots of people I know uh, that apprentice under other really great coaches and they learn a lot and they have a great circle around them that they can bounce things off of if they have questions. Um, I don't know how that goes for you. If you take apprenticeships. No, I, I generally, if I'm pretty full, um, if it's someone that's getting on stage, I'll refer them out to the other coaches I know that are good. And and I hate to name names because I'm going to forget people, but I'm going to name some, um, obviously Jason Theobald is right up there at the top. Cliff Wilson's right up there at the top. Pete Fitchin's right up there at the top. Like there's, there's really good coaches and, and I can keep naming them, but I'm just going to stop there. Um, that I can send people to the Lauren Conlins of the world. They're really, really good coaches. And I just do it that way. I don't, I don't have coaches underneath me. Um, it's just not my, not my bread and butter. I don't want to put my reputation in someone else's hands. I'd rather just, they did it as their own business and as their own coach. And, you know, I used to have coaches back in the day and not all of them wanted to answer emails on time. And, you know, their clients didn't look as lean as I wanted them to look. And they were representing my company and my brand. And it's just something I just, I don't want to mess with. And other coaches do it. Jason Theobald's got a, a bunch of coaches that work for him and they're all top notch and he's doing great with that. It's just not my, my bread and butter. Gotcha. So we kind of got down a little rabbit hole there with all that stuff, but um, are there some other metabolic adaptations that you can talk about that someone might um, have to work through post-show? Yeah, I think, you know, not really so much of an adaptation, but more of the fact that your body is one big overreaching cycle. So overreaching is when you get to the point to where your body, you stop gaining strength, you stop gaining muscle or recovering as much, right? Uh, We see it in powerlifting a lot. You train super hard for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden you start losing sleep, you start um, losing strength. That's called overreaching. And you do that on purpose because then you take a deload week and then you come back stronger because you get rest. So if you look at a contest prep or a diet phase for four months, for example, you're at a deficit for four months. You're doing a lot of cardio that your body's not completely recovered from. You're training, you know, six days a week or however many your body's in an overreach state. So you actually need to take some time off or a deload, so to speak. And that's the one adaptation people don't realize you adapt to being overreached. So your body's not putting new muscle on it's suppressed. You don't have enough calories. So what I actually like to do is give people a deload week, the week after their show peak weeks, kind of a modified deload, but I like to give them a nice deload, some days off, give them some food and then they should come back and feel refreshed. And then you start putting that lost muscle back on. And a lot of people think they're going to get a a post diet rebound and put all this muscle back on. And actually what you're going to do is rapidly put back on the muscle that you lost really fast. So it's not new muscle. You're putting back on that lost muscle. And a lot of people are flat and depleted because you're lower carb for the most part to diet down for show. So then you fill back out with carbs and you look like you're putting on muscle because you're filling, you're filling out the muscle itself with glycogen and water and, it's really a misconception that you're going to put a lot of muscle on. So two things, you need that deload. You need to kind of scale things back, maybe train four days a week for a few weeks and then go back to your normal off season split and then realize you're not putting on new muscle. You're putting on old muscle. So generally I I see, I've looked at DEXAs and some of the in-body scans and stuff like that. And it seems to be people can put that post that post-show muscle loss back on in about eight weeks pretty easily. And then the new muscle begins. And that's, that's where it just takes a long time. That's where it, you know, that's where you need a year or two years off. Okay. So along with that, when you start to overreach, where does cortisol play into all of this? Because so many people don't understand how important 
cortisol, the cortisol connection is and, and why you have to manage all of that. Yeah. So cortisol is going to be high, especially towards the tail end of a diet. And you know, when your body's overreached, it's not getting enough calories, your cortisol is going to go higher. And, you know, we talked a little bit about what cortisol does. So when cortisol is high in the body, your thyroid hormones less, but your body has to make cortisol. Your body has to rob from making the other hormones. Testosterone is a good one, for example. So instead of making testosterone in your body, if cortisol is high, your body has to make cortisol instead. So that's where you see people's testosterone levels drop. And that's why I made the optimizer product with a cortisol reduction um, ingredients in it to help knock cortisol down. So that's, that's the main thing when you're overreached towards the end, cortisol is super, super high. So that's why sleep is super important to get into deep sleep. So your cortisol can drop and you can get recovered. And that's why it's super important to drop the cardio out when you're done, because that's, that's really high with cortisol. And, you know, those, those two things alone really, really help things like taking that deload week, sleeping in and cutting the cardio out. You'll see a huge reduction in cortisol. I love that. Well, I don't, there's so many things you could unpack here as far as post-show and reverse dieting. We could probably go on forever, but I don't want to keep you on here all night. I think you've given me a ton of wonderful information. So if there was one thing you could tell a competitor to help them out post-show, what would it be? Ooh, okay. One important thing, um, besides anything that I just said, is take notes and be able to be able to learn everything you can from this, especially the failure points. Because whether you're just an athlete, and I don't mean that in a bad way, whether you're just an athlete or you're a, you're a coach or you want to become a coach, you need to learn every single thing that you can. You need to see how you're, but when you do mess up on the, on the cheat meals and stuff like that, you need to see how much you gain. You need to see if it falls back off of you three days later. You need to see if it sticks to you. You need to see how you look and how you trained. You need to take notes on everything. Everything is a learning point. Whether you mess up or not, you better look at it as a way to learn. And it's those people that really go far in the sport, especially as coaches. When you look at every single thing as a learning point, and reverse dieting is the perfect thing to look at. It's the hardest thing I think anyone will ever do. Uh, way harder than dieting for a show, and that's hard. It's way harder than putting on muscle. It's being able to stick to a plan, but mentally stay in the game. I've never personally been able to successfully reverse diet more than a couple weeks. At that point, I just jump my calories way up and I gain and I'm good because I just personally can't do it. It doesn't mean I'm not as good as someone else. That's just my approach. And I've learned from trying to do it and failing, not being able to do it for 12 weeks that, hey, I'm going to do it fast. You know, Leslie, whenever I did her prep, boom, we did it in like four or five, six weeks, ramped those calories up and she felt so much better. When before we tried to do it for 12 or 16 weeks, and she was ready to blow her brains out. So it's all that feedback that you have to get from yourself or your clients that's going to make you better. It's, it's a huge learning opportunity if you look at it that way. I love that, John, and I appreciate every piece of information that you gave us today. If my listeners want to come find you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you just look me up on Instagram. It's at team underscore Gorman. You and I are connected on Instagram too, so they could probably just look on your page and mm-hmm. find me and, and the people who follow you or who you follow. So that's the best way. Shoot me a DM if you want. I don't know if you're going to link anything in the show notes, but I've got an email too. But that my Instagram is, is, is pretty good. If I don't answer a, a, a message that you send me, it's probably because it's in that other folder, whatever that is. And it takes me a little bit of time to get to those. But I'm just, I'm a busy guy with the supplements and, you know, my clients and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't always get to those messages right away, but I get to every single one. I never just leave them unanswered. Well, I will most definitely put your links to your product line and also your Instagram and whatever website you have in my show notes as well. So that makes it easy for listeners to go click and find you, but absolutely they can find you on my Instagram. I know that we will have a video on there or some uh, audio when I go ahead and air this podcast. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. 
about wraps it up for my conversation with John. I'm so thankful that he decided to come on the podcast and talk about reverse dieting and all the things that happen after a show. I hope whether you are an experienced competitor or somebody just getting into the game that you were able to take some pearls from this. Again, you can find John on social media at Team Gorman, or I will put all of the rest of his web links in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will talk to you again next Monday.